He climbed up into a sycamore tree to say, Here for to see. And as the Savior came walking by, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. All right. So he would be a little man if that was the case. All right. Now, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to just pick the card. Are you ready? Now, there's some new ones mixed up in here, but we don't want to have too many new ones. How about this one? We, we've been working on this one quite a bit lately. Jesus teaching on worship. Anybody remember? Jesus teaching on worship. No. Jesus teaching on worship. John 4. Very good. Okay. Everybody. Jesus teaching on worship. John 4. Jesus teaching on worship. John 4. Jesus teaching on worship. John 4. Jesus teaching on worship. Jesus teaching on worship. John 4. John 4. Jesus teaching on worship. Jesus teaching on worship. Jesus teaching on worship. Okay, everybody understands it, right? Everybody but you, Audrey Scoop. Okay, Jesus sermon on the, huh? Audrey Scoop. That's what she's being. Okay. <laughs> Jesus sermon on the plane. Luke. Luke. Verse 19. Verse 17. Oh. Luke 6. Luke 6. Okay. Great resurrection chapter. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Okay. Now you guys, you guys know this one. Right? <laughs> okay. Conversion of Lydia. I have 16. Also, conversion. Yep, very good. Okay. Paul's sermon on Mars Hill. Paul's sermon on Mars Hill. Acts 17. Very good. Yeah, it is, but actually, I've said it several times now. And Miller Bell. Oh, yeah. She checked me out for memorization. Okay. Ethiopian eunuch. Conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Eight. Prophecies of the church. Isaiah 2, Dan 2, Joel 2, fulfilled in Acts 2. Finally, finally. How about, now this is the new one that we had last week. You ready? God is love. God is love. 
What is it, you think? No, not Saul. First John, first John four verses eight and sixteen. First John four verses eight sixteen. Eight and sixteen. Okay. God is love. God is Okay, great love chapter. How about that? Yeah. Okay. All spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1. Very good. Jesus tempted of the devil. Matthew 10. Matthew 4. 4. Matthew 4. All right. Great commission. Great Commission. Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Luke 24. Okay? If, if you can remember, it's the last chapter of each book of each of the Synoptic Gospel accounts. Okay? So it's Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Luke 24. Okay? How about this one? Work of the church. Remember? You want to see it? You'll remember when you saw it. How about you? You want to see it? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. You guys are quick readers. How about now? Caroline, the flood. Anybody know? How about six through nine? Oh, <laughs> yeah. If you get five through nine, you'll get six through nine, won't you? Okay. How about qualifications of elders and deacons? No. First Timothy three. How about definition of sin? Or definitions of sin? Romans 14. Romans 14, last one. First. John 4. First John 3 and James 4. And James 4. Very good. It's First John 3. Okay. Okay, how about this? Jesus called the apostles. Jesus called the apostles one by one. That's why I got the wrong melody. Jesus called them one by one. <laughs> there you go. Jesus called them one by one. But where's it found? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Matthew, Peter. Very good. Did you all know that? I said that it's the very one that tells Matthew 4. Matthew 10. Okay, yeah. Okay. So what was the question? Sermon on the Mount. It's right there, Reggie. It's right there. Listen up. Okay. Works of the flesh and works of the spirit. Works of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit. Oh, this is fine. Very good. Okay. 
conversion of the Samaritans. Jesus teaching on marriage. Matthew 19. Very good. Okay. Conversion of the jailer. We've run out of time, so we have to quit. Now, who hasn't passed out stickers in a long time? I've never done it. Well, I have only done it You were the first one?
Higher ground, number 72. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's stable land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground, my heart has no desire to stay. Where doubts arise and fear dismay, though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's stable land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Yeah. 
And we ask you to bless everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, the table has been left prepared for anyone unable to partake this morning. If you'd like to be served, please raise your hand. There is no one this evening. Please turn and sing number 180, Rescue the Parachute. Number 180. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep for the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell him of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Crushed by the tender feelings, like everything grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, waken by kindness. Cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for the labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will say. Please take your psalm and markers and mark number 88. 88. Is thy heart right with God? Number 88 will serve as a psalm of encouragement following this evening's lesson. And after you have that marked, please turn and sing number 258. When we all get to heaven, number 258. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us the place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be.
Those who live for God are always concerned with and concerned about the kingdom of God. They are concerned about every action and how it impacts and how it affects the picture, the full picture of the Lord's kingdom, which is, of course, the church. And though not as apparent, at least at first, this is one of the most soul-searching Beatitudes. Now, all the Beatitudes ought to be soul-searching. There's no doubt about that. And we ought to test ourselves accordingly. Test ourselves in light of the Beatitudes. Well, since the Beatitudes describe the disciple of Jesus, then we ought to be asking ourselves, have I suffered or am I suffering for righteousness' sake? Now let us examine these verses and some thoughts behind these verses. Now we're going to first of all look at what is persecution. We made mention of this in our Bible class lesson this morning with with reference to Saul of Tarsus, but nonetheless, I think it's very important for us to recognize this. And like we've done before, we'll look at what it is not first, and then we'll look at what it is. So Jesus did not say, blessed are they which are persecuted because they are offensive or lack wisdom or common sense. Now, some people suffer because of their own foolishness and folly. I mean, which one of us, I mean, nobody wants to admit it, admittedly so, but the fact is, which one of us have not suffered because of our own foolishness? All of us do. And every single one of us make foolish decisions. I think sometimes over the years, I look at myself and I think, you big dummy, why did you do that? Well, I think all of us can relate to that. Maybe you don't call yourself a dummy, but that's how that's how I talk to myself. Like, you know, that's not the smartest thing you could have done, Chuck, you know? And so we all suffer because of that reason. But that's not what he's talking about here. There is a tremendous difference between being offensive and causing offense because of righteousness. There's a tremendous difference between the two. Because the gospel is soul-searching and sin is convicting, when Christians preach and when Christians teach, they will oftentimes cause offense. But we do not at the same time want to be or desire to be or desire to cause offense. In Romans 12 and verse 18, Paul said, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So sometimes we have to really think about and really contemplate how are we going to approach a certain individual? How are we going to deal with a certain situation so that we're not offensive? But the fact is, no matter what we say to some individuals, it will always be offensive. Now secondly, blessed, he did not say, blessed are they which are persecuted because they are fanatical. 
Now we ought to be totally committed to the cause of Christ, but there's a difference between being totally committed and being fanatical. Fanaticism often portrays itself by being forward or overbearing, always wanting things to be done a certain way or a set way. And when it comes to opinion, we need to be flexible. And we've talked about this before, and the Bible clearly talks about that. But you know, sometimes when it comes to doctrinal matters, we need to be patient. Aren't we thankful that God is patient with us? Every single one of us have had misunderstandings in the past, but aren't we thankful that God was patient with us to bring us to a better understanding? And shouldn't we be like him in that way? In Matthew 16, or Matthew 10 and verse 16, the Bible says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now that was said to the disciples as Jesus sent them on the limited commission. Well, if it was true with those that were sent out on the limited commission, would it not be true for us who are sent out on the great commission? We need to be as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, Jesus also did not say, blessed are they which are persecuted because they are evildoers. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, listen to the words of Peter. He said, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now there's, there, is a, there is no blessing for suffering for these reasons. And sometimes, is it not true in life? We get to a point and we know that we've done something that's not quite right and we're going to suffer because of it. But surely we look to ourselves and we say, well, we reap what we sow. And I think there's no doubt, at least in my mind, that we do those kind of things. But you know, there's something here that we ought to know from that particular passage. That Peter classes the busybody with the murderers and the thieves. Did you notice that? When he listed those sins, he classed the busybodies with these others. Also, Jesus did not say... Blessed are they which are persecuted because they are standing for a cause. Now, to be sure, being a Christian is a cause. But there are other causes besides this one cause. Some people stand for moral causes, and that's good. And I'm thankful that they do stand for moral causes. Some people stand for political causes. And that's not necessarily bad. In fact, the world turns on politics. And so it, I'm thankful that there are righteous people that want to be involved in politics. And so they stand for political causes. 
And some people stand for social causes. But that too is not bad. That's good. However, even though these causes can be good, and many of them are, they do not carry with it the promised blessing. They may even be worth dying for. And some have died for those causes. They have died for moral reasons, moral causes, and died for political causes, and died for social causes. And is it not the case that sometimes we even honor them because they died for those things? But the promised blessing is not because we died for any cause. It's because we died for the cause of Christ. That's where the promised blessing is found. Well, Jesus also did not say, Blessed are they which are persecuted because they are good and noble. Good and noble men are generally highly thought of and admired in the communities, and rightfully so. And often they are even self-sacrificing as it is for concerning the causes that we looked at previously. However, while the world sing their praises and admire the good and the noble, we, they then also at the same time persecute those that are righteous. Now what Jesus did say is, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now this means the persecution is the result of being righteous. Well, there are several passages that come to mind. In John the 15th chapter, and we'll pick up with verse 18 and read through verse 20. It's on the screen there. But in this particular passage, and remember John chapters, uh, well actually it begins in chapter 13, but the main part of it is chapters 14, 15, and 16. And probably chapter 17 is a part of this as well. But this is Jesus preparing the disciples for his death in the upper room. We're talking about when Jesus made this statement, it is the night before his crucifixion. That's what we're talking about. We're just talking about hours before his crucifixion. And Jesus said, if the world hate you, Ye know it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his master or than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Now Paul said it this way, and we noted this this morning in our Bible class, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall, shall suffer persecution. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 13, now keep in mind, John is the writer there. And John is the only apostle who did not die 
and he uh, was not killed for his for the cause of Christ. He died a natural death. But at the same time, did John suffer? Well, yeah. He was taken to the Isle of Patmos, and where he where he spent most of his latter part of his life because of persecution. And then when he was released, he went to the city of Ephesus and worked there in Ephesus before he died. But and he was the oldest of of the apostles as far as age was concerned when he died. Now he was the youngest of the apostles, but he was the oldest as far as his death was concerned. And so it is the case then that John knew what persecution was. And so in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, John wrote, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. It's not a it's not a normal thing. It's not, it's not something that is unusual. It's normal that the world hate us. Now, a few observations before we move on. That the first is that persecution comes within, from within, and without the church. Now, oftentimes people think of, and in fact, I was actually talking to a preacher friend of mine just not too long ago, a week or two ago, and he was talking about persecution. In his mind, persecution is to shed blood. And that's where he limited this idea. But it's really more than just that. Now, did it include that? Well, yeah. It is very clear that persecution did include the shedding of blood. But the fact is also that those who were most grievously persecutors of Jesus were religious people. Do you realize that? Those who were the most severe in persecuting Jesus were religious people and even religious leaders. Remember the chief priests and the scribes? In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 26 through 28, Paul wrote in journeyings off in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, and beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So Paul knew that persecution came from without, and we would expect it to come from without. But sometimes it's very difficult when it comes from within the church. But then also, persecution takes two basic forms, violent and less violent. And what I mean by violent would be such things as as prison or beatings or executions, etc., etc., and we've all read of different ones like that. I mean, the first apostle to be martyred was James, the brother of John. So here it is, James and John, brethren, and James the first one to be martyred, and John then not being martyred at all. But then it also comes in less violent forms. 
And that's the kind of persecution that you and I probably have received. Sneering, laughing, jeering, whispering campaigns, etc., etc. And surely it is the case that when we do what's right, and the people do, do not like it, We've all heard different ones make snide comments. I mean, I remember one fellow, he said, well, you goody two-shoes? Okay. <laughs> I thought, well, is that the best you could do? I mean, you know, well, so what? Well, that's, that's one of the forms of persecution. And it is the case that we've all heard different things like that. Well, a proper perspective of persecution should cause us to reevaluate our conceptions of the person of Jesus and of Christians. Many people, and I should say probably many people, think about Jesus as a man who was admired, but the world did not admire Jesus. When he lived in the world, after all, they put him to death. And the world did not admire and does not admire the proper view of Jesus in any age. I mean, you take any age and you look at what the scriptures say. And I've always, I always think about different Bible studies that I've had with different individuals. And, and they say, well, if Jesus really taught that, then I don't believe Jesus. Well, you know, he was a good old Joe, as the world conceives him to be, then they want to believe that. But the proper view of Jesus, they do not want to believe. And probably many Christians, and many people rather think about Christians as the, the nice fellow, the nice person, a nice and popular or harmless fellow who never offends, is easy to get along with. But the person who is truly Christ-like will be hated and persecuted like Christ. Have you ever thought about the statement that Jesus made in Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 26? I think it's something for us to consider. Where Luke, and where Jesus said and Luke recorded, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now listen to that again. I mean, we're talking about a pronouncement of woes. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. When all men speak well of us, then we're probably not doing what we ought to be doing. Well, now some examples of persecution. There is absolutely no way for us to give details on every one of these uh, examples. I've chosen 10 different examples of those that, that have suffered persecution. And this is really a sampling of all that we could have talked about or could talk about. The first that I chose was Abel. 
And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 8. And we could say a lot more about this and the reasons why Cain persecuted Abel, but the fact is that his blood still cries out. And as the Hebrews writer noted, also Moses is another example. Now the children of Israel were in Egypt at this particular time. And because of the situation there in Israel, and because of what Moses had done, then Moses fled, which if you don't know, that Moses' life was divided in three 40-year periods. The first 40 years in the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The second 40 years in, in uh, Midian, where he, where he marries his wife and he has two sons. And then the last 40 years is leading the children of Israel. And this took place just after he came back. Now the children of Israel had been crying unto the Lord for a deliverer. And Moses came back and he went to Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Well then, he goes to the children of Israel and this is what they said. Now this is the children of Israel. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you, talking about Moses and Aaron, and judge, because ye have made our savor to be a poor. In other words, our smell to be a poor in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hands to slay us. And then for the 40 years, Moses had to tolerate the children of Israel and the many things they did contrary to Moses. Then we have the example of David. And there are really a number of things that we could say about David. I thought about, and in, in my Bible reading this morning, we I read about uh, David, what, what sometimes called uh, Saul's flea hunt. And that's actually a terminology that's used twice with reference to Saul pursuing David and hunting him like a flea. And David then had to escape numerous times from Saul's persecution. But then in Psalm 38 verse 20, he says, they also that rendered evil for good are mine adversaries because I follow the things that uh, good is. Then what about Elijah? Now this particular account in Matthew, or in uh, First uh, Kings chapter 19 verses 1 and 2 took place. The previous chapter is Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal. You build an altar and you call upon Baal and you have him come down and devour your sacrifice. Well, they called upon Baal hour after hour for several hours and Baal was not there. Elijah poked fun. Where is Baal? Is he on vacation? Is he gone away on a trip? I mean, where is Baal? And then finally, Elijah called upon God. And God sent fire from above, which would have been a lightning strike, and consumed not only the sacrifice, but also the altar 
And I've always been humored by the fact that it says, and it licked up the water. Because Elijah poured barrels of water upon it. And Elijah then had the prophets of Baal killed. And this is the result of that. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and were all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods be or do to me, and more also, if I not if I make not thy life as like one of them by tomorrow about this time. And you remember Elijah fled then, went to Mount Horeb, and God fed him in that mountain. But he had to flee because of the wrath of Jezebel. Well, then we get to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, because he, he wept for Judah, because they were going off and they would be taken off into captivity. And he would see the city of Jerusalem, that, that headquarters, the capital of that nation, the temple and the things that the temple represented. He saw it destroyed and he wept over it. And yet, as he prophesied to warn Judah of the harm that would come upon him, he was persecuted numerous times. And in Jeremiah 15, verse 15, he said, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. And then we get to Daniel. And we all know the account of Daniel being put into the lion's den. And in chapter 6 and verse 16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. How the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Well, then what about John the baptizer? In fact, Jesus said concerning John the baptizer, there was none greater as far as the prophets than him. We're talking about the greatest of the prophets. But the text says in Mark, the sixth chapter, verses 15 through 20, for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now you remember, John was put in prison, and because of that, that shows that he was persecuted. But then it goes on to say, For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. In other words, he, was, he taught Herod of his unscriptural marriage. Well, you know, brethren, I know of other preachers that have experienced loss because they preached about marriage and divorce and remarriage. And I think I've said this before, but sometimes among preachers we call it a moving sermon. Not because it moved people to respond to the gospel, but because it caused the preacher to have to move. And a lot of men have been sent away. But then again, if we've been sent away because we teach the truth, then we have aligned ourselves with the greatest prophet of all, John the Baptizer.
And so he said, verse 19, Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have him uh, have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And even though Herod recognized him as a just man, yet he gave in to Herodias' wishes and had him killed. Well, then we have the apostles. In John 16, verses 1 and 2, These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said to them, in preparing him for his departure. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, and whosoever killeth you will think, that he doeth God's service. Well, then you think about Saul and what Saul's mission was when he went to Jerusalem. He thought he was doing God's service by persecuting Christians. And then, of course, Paul, we read a part of this verse and then some of the things that took place. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I more and laborers more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequent in death often of the Jews five times received I forty stripes less one etc and the things that he talked about in that particular passage and then what about the Lord himself in John 15 in preparation of the apostles as as he departed from this world and we're talking about Hours again, as we said before, we're talking about hours before he was crucified. He says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I have said unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. And so, ten examples then of those that were persecuted. Now, let's look at the last point, and that is reaction to persecution. In uh, in referring to our text in Matthew 5 and verse 10 through 12, we're going to note the statement that's made in verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. And we have to ask ourselves, why? How can we rejoice and be exceeding glad when we are persecuted? But you know we have examples of that. When the apostles were persecuted in the book of Acts, did they not gladly receive persecution because they suffered like Jesus. Well, brethren, we need to look at it that way as well. Well, persecution for righteousness' sake is proof of our loyalty to Christ. Now, in verse 11, he said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your, your reward in heaven. He said, for my sake. In other words, it's proof of our loyalty to Christ. 
The whole objective of righteous living is for the sake of Christ. Paul in Romans 14 in verse 1, or verse 8 rather, he said, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. In other words, it doesn't make any difference whether we live or whether we die, we live it for the sake of the Lord. In Philippians 3 and verse 10, Paul wrote, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Well, there you have it. I mean, there it is in a nutshell. We look forward to that fellowship of his suffering. In other words, sharing in that suffering. And when someone says something to us because we've done what's right, whether it's being honest when others are not, or by doing good when others do not want to do that, let us then rejoice that we have fellowship in his suffering. But then persecution for righteousness sake is proof of where we are going. Now, going back to our text, in Matthew 5 and verse 12, he said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You see, this is the faithful through the ages have always desired. It is what we desire when we suffer those persecutions. The Hebrews writer in Hebrews 11 in the great hall of faith, he spoke of Abraham and in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 11, he said, For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And then concerning, he said, these all died in faith. And the all there would be Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob. And he said they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth, on the earth. So they recognized that they were just temporary dwellers here on earth. And then later on in verse 16, if Hebrews 11, he says, But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. And concerning Moses in Hebrews 11 and verse 27, says that he had respect unto the recompense of reward. In other words, he knew what the result would be if he did what was right. Rejoice while being persecuted is the marked difference between the true Christian and all others. And then persecution for righteousness sake is proof of our, of our alignment with the righteous of old. The latter part of verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great or for so persecuted they that the, they the prophets which were before you. When persecution for right reasons, for righteousness sake, the Christian knows he is in the great family of the faithful. Yea, he is like the prophets as we made mention concerning John the baptizer. Now, since the prophets were persecuted, then persecution should come as no surprise for the righteous. 
In Philippians 1 and verse 21, there Paul wrote, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now I realize that that verse is, is really talking about Paul and really talking about the fact that he was undergoing certain trials as he was preaching to different ones at different times. And the, and the false teachers that were teaching the different things that they taught. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, is a good reminder for all of us. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so let us all do some soul searching. Do I suffer or do you suffer for righteousness sake? Do you have to bear with those that cause afflictions of different times. And I don't suppose that all any of us will suffer in the sense that John the Baptizer suffered or some other prophet like that. And it might come to a day, I mean, there was a fellow up in Canada here within the last month that was put in prison because of what he said, which was right, and because of his stand for truth. Well, it might come to us one day and we might end up in prison because of that. But if that happens, let us rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This evening we do want to offer the invitation. There may be someone that would like to respond. If that be the case, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing to encourage you. Have an affection when held to the cross. Is thy heart right with God? Does not come only for Jesus but lost. Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Wash in the crimson flood. Cleanse it made holy, humble and holy. Right in the sight of God. Self and or sin, is thy heart right with God? Over all evil without and within, is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Wash in the crimson flood, cleanse and make holy, humble and lowly, right in the sun.
pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this lesson we have here, here this evening. Thank you, Father, for each one who's here to know to learn and grow together. We pray, Father, we always strive to have the proper attitude regarding persecution for those things which are done in righteousness, being persecuted for those things which are good and pleasing in your sight, being persecuted for those things which we stand up for, which is the truth of your word. We pray, Father, that we will be those who will follow you and love you always, despite anything that may come our way as a result of doing so. We pray, Father, that you be with those who are not here, they can uh, be restored to a good portion of health. That's what's keeping them from being here. And if it's not, Father, we pray that they will have a change of heart and come and join us again. We pray that you be with us this evening as we travel to our homes, that you'll keep us safe. For some Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I 